in the aftermath of the pandemic, a personal perspective. US President Joe Biden has declared the pandemic is over. I guess that means we're in a post-pandemic world now and we get to cope with the aftermath of the pandemic. I get quite upset when I hear about the problems that result from SARS-CoV-2. This is not just hospitalizations and deaths from the disease, nor just side effects, including deaths from the jabs. Is death a side effect? It includes the economic, financial, social, and health impacts of lockdowns, masks and social distancing, a contradiction in terms, wouldn't you say? Those impacts were both immediate and ongoing. The sad truth is that most of them were completely avoidable. I've heard much about serious side effects following jabs. I consider myself lucky in that I've been largely untouched. I haven't lost any family members or close friends. My partner's children are all jabbed and have suffered no obvious major problems so far. Then I think of my brother and his wife. I don't know what his wife thinks of vaccines generally, nor the COVID jabs in particular. She was required to be jabbed for her work, but she would have been jabbed anyway. Speaking with her, that was a fear response from the propaganda, as I suspect it was for many, many people. My brother has said in the past that vaccines are very, very safe, so I assume he had no objection to being jabbed. As it happened, he had an overseas contract for which he needed to be jabbed. Otherwise, he says, he wouldn't have bothered. As far as I know, they've had no problems. My sister and her tribe all seem to have been coerced into getting jabbed for various reasons. There's no question that since the jabs, her husband, Bill, is having problems that show no sign of ending anytime soon. They are seriously concerning. Would you call continuing small strokes severe? My eldest brother, with his litany of problems, heart and brain, has also been very concerning. I was extremely anxious when he informed the family that he was going to get jabbed. They all knew my stance on this issue, so they understood why. But, of course, we all make decisions we believe to be in our best interest and should be allowed to do so. If they turn out to be wrong, then we should expect love and support. When I think of my brother and brother-in-law, I realise I'm not completely untouched. This is without considering the matter of transfection, which occurs regardless of any decision to remain jab-free. If you need to know what transfection is, just click the link below the podcast to read about it. Of course, as has been pointed out to me, there is no proof that any of their problems are COVID jab-related, and they may not be. The jab could have had no impact. Their problems could be exacerbated by the jab. A jab could be the catalyst for a latent problem, and their problems could be caused directly by the jab. The first one, no impact, is the least likely. Anecdotal and empirical evidence is mounting that the jabs have a negative effect on our immune system, making us more susceptible to everything, including COVID-19. And since the jabs don't stop infection or transmission, well, the situation drips with irony as thick as molasses. Regardless, we don't know which of those four possibilities is the cause of their problems. The thing is, as my sister says, we will never know. 
This is because no one is investigating. And why is that? Simply put, it's because the problems are not reported to the people who should be investigating, that they may not want to investigate or would be unable to cope with the volume of investigations required is not the point. I've asked my sister and a niece if Bill's problems were reported to the database of adverse event notifications, Dane. Nope. I've asked people I know who have had problems if they were reported to Dane. Nope. The issue here has a couple of layers. I've heard from different people that when problems were reported to their GP, it was not considered that the jabs might have some causal connection. I've also heard that when questioned directly if the jab could be the problem, some GPs have dismissed the possibility. On what medical basis? I don't know. But I can guess. Completing a report to Dane is time consuming and most GPs are on the clock. Time is money, people especially if they bulk bill. There is both a lack of causal awareness and a reluctance then for GPs to report. Many people don't realize they can lodge reports to Dane themselves. The reports do not have to be made by people with medical certification. For those that do lodge, the lodgement process can seem to be more trouble than it's worth. It may be intimidating for some beyond their computer skills for others. The UK has its own reporting system, the yellow card system. Sounds a bit like a football match to me. But the same comments I've made about reporting here in Australia apply to the UK as well as theirs in the US and, I expect, European equivalents, etc. I have to ask, if individuals are expected to get jab, quote, for the greater good, unquote, then shouldn't that same expectation apply to reporting and investigating problems with the jabs for exactly the same reason. And as the first tenet of medicine is first do no harm, then shouldn't everyone involved in the medical profession and public health be taking action on this? To not do so is negligence, or more accurately, malfeasance. And now we move forward, back to normal. But it's not how things used to be. It's described as the new normal. In some ways, close enough not to recognise the difference, but look closer. In the wake of government measures to counter SARS-CoV-2, completely ineffectual in the end, we are left with a multitude of small businesses having been set back financially by years. We have a multitude of small businesses losing everything and closing their doors forever. We have supply problems. We have an unprecedented government deficit. We have accelerating inflation. We have artificially inflated real estate prices, making ownership more difficult. We have an increase in interest rates not seen for 40 years. We have accelerating energy prices. We have unprecedented devaluation of buying power. We are left with spikes in anxiety, depression, suicide. We saw delays in early diagnosis and treatment of serious diseases that has been and will continue to be to the detriment of thousands. We saw old people dying, scared and alone with their families denied access. On top of this, we have state governments that have exercised emergency powers recklessly 
assuming powers that they will be loath to relinquish. Public service bureaucrats have been riding on their coattails, very quickly learning how it's done in this brave new world. We've seen public health departments peddling disinformation and, in the end, lies relentlessly. We've seen coercion. We've seen censorship. We've seen early treatment for COVID deliberately denied. Don't forget, the COVID jabs are still only provisionally approved in Australia. This provisional approval was given due to the declared emergency. They have been pushed on people who never needed them. The emergency is over, yet these experimental drugs are still being pushed, despite full knowledge that they do not work. Throughout this article, I've not referred to the jabs as vaccines. That's because they're not. They don't stop infection or transmission of SARS-CoV-2. Still, some people are lining up for their fourth or fifth jab, such as the power of the propaganda peddled by our authorities. There is a legacy for these actions. Possibly worst of all, we have a population infused with fear and conditioned into compliance. We have seen the biggest betrayal by Parliament of its citizens in history. This betrayal was perpetrated by state governments of both colours with the support of the opposition. Both Labour and the Coalition carry responsibility and we will be paying for this betrayal long into the future.